Hey guys, welcome to another episode. Uh, real quick before we get into the intro and uh, introduce our guest and, and all of that, um, this is the episode with Ben Shegel from Spider Studios, and I was in a little bit of a hurry to finish the episode due to outside factors and whatnot, um, and I totally forgot to plug uh, the studio that our guest owns. So after listening to this, if you come back to the beginning here and uh, check it out. If you want to check out the studio and you're a musician or a, in a band or an artist or just someone who's interested in studio works in general, uh, go to spiderstudiosohio.com. That's spider, S-P-I-D-E-R, studios, plural, ohio.com. Again, spiderstudiosohio.com uh, to check out uh, everything that we talk about on this upcoming podcast. Um, also, uh, you can hit them up on their socials, uh, Spider Studios. You can find them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the whole nine yards. Um, besides that, uh, we got a pretty special announcement here that I'm going to uh, play for you in a hot second, and then uh, we'll get we'll get started on the the uh, podcast. So, without further ado, uh, without further ado, enjoy the show. The world's biggest band is coming twice. Metallica Headlining the Sonic Temple Arts and Music Festival Two different nights, two different sets The weekend of May 15th through 17th Go to SonicTempleFestival.com for information Get your tickets on sale right now The one, the only, Metallica Go to SonicTempleFestival.com Presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. All right, what's going on? Uh, here on another uh, episode of All Things Music, presented by Liquid Sound Records. Ryan and Ian here. Uh, Ian, you're a bit, uh, what, hungover? Just tired. All right. Um... And uh, we have a guest today that I've known for shit, man. It's been a long time. Twenty years, maybe. 15, yeah, 20? it's got to be something like that. It's uh, something to that effect. It's it's crazy. And I'll get into how I met him and how I even found out of his existence, which is a really cool story. But um, introducing Ben Shegel from owner of Spider Studios and from all other awesome projects, some uh, iPhonic, some. Some kind of wonderful ironic uh, toss out, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. I, I honestly like Switch will always be my favorite, but mm-hmm. I could just vibe to Iphonic all day, any day, any mood. Funny story about Iphonic was today I don't post too much on Facebook, but I looked at it, it still says like that's my job. <laughs> it hasn't changed. That's like your uh, your primary like, position. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, no, that is a group that if you haven't heard of them as listeners, check them out. I'm sure there's still music out. Yeah, I'm sure it's yeah. on YouTube. Um, we were the only band that had a bartender, too, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. That's kind of dope. We used to have a bartender on stage, Robbie Flair. Huh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty sweet. We had our own bartender, so while we could play, he could make us drinks. Sure. And stuff. Um, pretty funny. So, how would you describe that kind of music? Because that was like... That was like party pop. Yeah, but it wasn't that. pop where it was like... Uh, top 40 you know it was pop yeah, kind of like it was i think yeah it was kind of like party pop because 
we didn't talk about like chicks really. You know how like most pop songs are all about like love and mm-hmm. you know we didn't we didn't really get into that too much. It okay. was more we, we yeah. would talk about whip girls a little bit, but sure. it was more like partying and sure totally. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, let's start from the beginning here. But mm-hmm. was switched your first band? That was my first band that got signed, but I was in a band before that called Not So Blah. I've heard, I've heard that too. before. Yeah, I was with yep. Brad last night actually. Oh, really? He was doing his uh, vodka, the voodoo vodka. I'm not familiar. Yeah, he, him, and uh, his buddy Ken made a vodka. Oh, okay, it's pretty good. That's cool. Um, that's why I'm a little hungover. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I played with him since he was like 13, and we had a band called Omniarch, and then we had a band called Not So Blah, and then okay. we went back. Not So Blah was more like pop again. I kept going for like metal to pop to metal. To Such pop. a weird yeah. kind of transition but and then we went back to playing metal again and then we got signed right. to virgin uh, mortal records right and went on from there you know very cool yeah so how i even knew about you guys was the weirdest story i went uh man i was probably eight or nine years old it was the uh creed concert at what was the gundarina wow. and uh you know how you park at tower city mm-hmm. and you walk through those like halls and tunnels to get yeah, to the, to get the to... queue or whatever um there was a guy in the hall just passing out like these compilation cds mm-hmm. of like all different kinds of bands and you were one of the compilation cds it was a switched three track i think it was ted Den F- ted 10 dead fingers yeah, I, went, I know what you're talking anyway. about yeah it was like uh just three of them and then uh third strike was on there too so i yeah. kind of discovered them through the same way um and then with the tools at my disposal in the early 2000s, I found you guys online and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have a lot of those CDs and stuff in my basement. Yeah. I mean, that was that was really neat because that was my first real exposure to heavy metal because mm-hmm. I was eight years old or whatever it was. Right. Um, so that was a really neat story, and then I kind of dug into the ins and outs of everything and through Switched. I learned about Corporate Punishment Records, mm-hmm. and I talked to Tom Hazard, who ended mm-hmm. up being a music mentor, and I'll, I'll talk about that. But uh, what what I think is so cool about Switched, well, a couple things, but one is is if you t- take any of the songs from either Subject to Change or Ghost in the Machine, and you mm-hmm. put them on uh, rock radio today, I mean, they would soar. And yeah, it's like, fit. yeah. At least a handful of them. Yeah, which is crazy because being that they were recorded so long ago yeah a one it's like something to have that relevance from that time to now is pretty rare because just especially yeah. in rock there's so many different changes and shifts yeah and, it does change yeah rock so, music. i mean every music change but rock music definitely does you know mm-hmm. i think it's been tough on rock music lately just because of how big rap and pop is and i mean pop has always been big i think it's more rap music that just got big yeah massive Overnight you know, to where it's like, yeah. I mean, it was always kind of big, but right. not, not like now. It is now, you know. Ray Junior. Yeah, I recorded. I just just mastered stuff for Ray Junior like two days ago. Really? Mm-hmm. So, so there's gonna be new stuff. I love Ray Junior. Yeah, I think he just put something out to where I think it was out like yesterday or something or the day really? before. I mastered I haven't it. Even, I haven't even. Seen Ray's that. funny dude though, because he he never like plans anything, so right. there's never any like. Hey, I got a record coming out in December. You know, I'm getting. It's always like I'm putting the record out tomorrow. Can you master it tonight? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess. You know, <laughs> pretty funny story. Well, you work him. with like DJ Steph Loss and that too. And I have before. Yeah, it's been a while, but and I didn't. Does he like even like make music or is he just DJ? I I've always kind of. I always kind of wondered because I hear him. On, you got the same glasses as me. <laughs> I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, I knew a lot of 
people in those circles, you know, the whole like DJ V and mm-hmm. you know, all the Man, guys in that, that pop world. Long time, yeah, EV. yeah. I know all them dudes, and uh, it's funny though how rap music we were saying it got so big, and it's just interesting having a studio and seeing the difference between recording like all the metal kids from all the rap kids and. Mm-hmm. The rap kids just have it so much easier because they could just come in for one hour, two Facts. hours, and do everything. And the metal kids always had to book three days to, you know. And there get... honestly is a lot more money in the hip hop to recording yeah. too, just because there's a different format of right. Of... You could do a lot more. Yeah. You know, there's a lot more I think in their world too, as far as like uh, persona. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking about Cardi B the other day to my buddy. Uh, he's in a band called Automatic Weapons. My buddy Vinny. Okay. And. Um, we were. I'm like, man, she made a career on her butt cheeks. You know, like you don't Facts. see that often. You no. know what I'm saying? Her and Nicki Minaj. Your whole although, career has been made on your boobs and your butt. Yeah, everything. Like, Marilyn Monroe. Oh, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's like, it's like amazing. I'm yeah, like, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, yeah. So you you uh you've recorded with and while we're on the topic because I don't want to switch back and forth. No pun there. But mm-hmm. uh, Machine Gun Kelly, you've. Yeah, obviously done, done a lot of him. stuff for him mm-hmm. um is, more in his early days okay and and is there any plans on and working with him again in the future um i wouldn't say there's no plans there's not a plan he he's just not around a lot you know he's in la and but every once in a while he'll hit me up his, his uh keyboard player slash bass player uh hit me up like two weekends ago to come in to make some songs but i was tied up and it just didn't materialize right. so like with lace up obviously that was his first record right mm-hmm. um when it blew up the way that it did, were you like? Ex- I mean, you obviously probably weren't expecting it. Which one uh, are you talk about the the uh, mixtape uh, or the album? The 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 I think it was. I don't know which. It's the one with the sneakers on it, and it's got like the, all the the strings everywhere. It's red. Got a red background. Yeah, that's his first album that came out. Like, yeah, when he was signed. Which I had a little bit to do with that. I had a lot more to do with his first mixtapes. His first three mixtapes that pretty much t- took him from just being a rapper in Cleveland to like getting signed right. and I had a lot to do with that stuff, you know. Yeah, I'm not a huge MGK person, but a lot of my friends are. Yeah. And they're like, you know, MGK people, man, they're very adamant about being an MGK person, you know, yeah, like EST really Fest and all that. And they're they're very it's almost kinda like the juggalos. Yeah, he's not. definitely <laughs> developed his own Right. You know, his own uh Kind of like Kamira used to have, like their own like hardcore. They like, buy his shirts and you know, which cult is, following type. Probably the thing. best fans to yeah. have, though. Really, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Plus, yeah. he's gotten a little bit of uh, mainstream notoriety with some of acting. his songs. Yeah, acting. acting. And he's um, he's an interesting dude because he kind of like uh, he's a rapper, but I, I always pictured him more as like a rock star than a rapper. Yeah, yeah I could see that. He and likes like no, like he he would come in. He always wants to sit and play guitar and. Do you remember when you opened for him at the Outpost? Yeah, uh, Iphonic. Yeah, I remember that. I was with you guys. I was fucked up. This is when <laughs> I was was a big time binge drinker back then. Yeah. And me and my buddy Jay were there, and we were trashed. And uh, I remember filming you. I went on stage a little bit, filmed mm-hmm. the crowd, thinking that I'm like supposed to be where I'm not supposed to be. <laughs> and so you know how like. Uh, MGK would always like huddle with his his crew before yeah. the show, and so they were huddling together and they're they're pep talking. And I have my liquid courage on way too much, so I get in the <laughs> huddle with them, and I'm like, "Yeah, guys," and they're like, "Who's this little white kid? Get out of yeah, here!" Like, who is this? Um, so yeah, that was a funny. He experience. actually came up on stage with us one of those. He did. I think it was yeah. that night. That was yeah. the only time we ever performed that one song with him. Oh wow! That um, yeah, game uh, more than a game. Or yeah, was, uh, love of the game, love of the game. And it was the music video was filmed at the old location. Yeah, of my your old studio. studio yeah. Right. 
Does your does your mom enjoy having her garage back? Yeah, she actually <laughs> tore it down and then built a whole down. new garage. Really? Yeah, because oh. it was. Fa- I had to get out of there because it was falling apart. Sure. I'd okay. wake up and I'd, I'd be mixing somebody, and all of a sudden the ceiling would start dripping. And Jesus. I'd be like putting buckets everywhere. So eventually, I was like, I got to get out of here. Man. Do you think that was just a a uh, result of all of the? ins and outs of people coming through there that the place was just starting maybe to, it's from the you know. 40s it was old oh, fair enough know, but maybe true. maybe that constant base oh that's kind of sad years. though because like you, you i understand it's like a small space but it also hold held a lot of legacy of recording different right. really cool projects there so when it gets torn down you're kind of like yeah it was kind of crazy when it got yeah. torn down i was like man all those years of doing chimera's records and mm-hmm. mgk stuff and i found it because i'll just wiped away you know yeah well, even though i've been at my new place for shit a while years. yeah because you were there i believe i was a freshman in college when i brought bleeding the bleeding the fifth back to do mm-hmm. their second project um do you remember that group that i brought to you it was like i must have still been in high school they were like a technical death metal i think so and they were just real like off the wall kind of weird what was the name of them oh, i wish i could remember i was hoping you would and obviously you won't but i i i, I do remember that happening because yeah. you were like this is interesting to record because everything was in weird time signatures and like yeah. really just like we know what was tough back then is like metal now people like they understand that like they program a lot of the drums yep. and they're gonna do that you go 10 years ago like i knew that it existed but most people who came in didn't so a kid would come in like wanting to play these crazy beats and it's like dude you can't play that stuff <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, Not like sure. you want it to sound like i'm a sugar record or something i'm like dude that's like Not so it was happen. always like man we have to like figure out how to play this and because you know it's it's hard to sound like a machine when you're playing drums it so. totally is and i think a lot of those bands especially in that technical death metal and deathcore and stuff they use a lot of triggers now and it's kind of yeah like, uh, it's almost i was thinking about this the other day of how the 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 bands that recorded in the 90s and the 80s and, and all that there's just you there's so many ways to fake it now you yeah. know and you didn't really have the capabilities to do that as much back then so the authenticity was as true as could be you could have a singer now who is a good singer but not a great singer right. they sound like a great singer on record because of all of the things that yeah exactly yeah, exactly and just you you had to have great vocalists it reminds me of uh no, I always tell like a lot of these kids that work for me. I'm like half these people that come in the studio would be roadies if we went back into the 80s and 90s. But before I went out last night, I actually put King Diamond on. You know, I was like, oh, I'm gonna put some King Diamond on because I love King Diamond at this time of year in the fall. And I was just listening, and I'm like, man, if I I want to go back then and watch records being made like right. 70s, 80s, and just like, how did you guys like? Nowadays, I don't care. I'm like, dude, I could, you know, whatever. Like you said, I could melodyne. You could do so much stuff that nothing like really impresses me anymore. But back then, you're just like, wow, man. Like, it sounds great. Yeah. I mean, it was all humans and then hot recording in a Neves and stuff right. like that. And then actual, like, you know, people with years and years and years of experience behind the instruments and behind the consoles. Yeah, probably. They probably that's, spent years making those records, that's too. What, I think that's really what it was. And I think back then, a lot of those things weren't as complicated and mm-hmm. as technical as they are now. Things, you know, music now compared to back then like like metal records and stuff yeah, are a lot more technical, more technical. Yeah. there was just there'd be no way realistically to record that back then without yeah. the technology now like superior drummer right um you know melodyne etc et no cetera. i could agree with that because if you listen to a lot of the 80s metal 
Like that's where I grew up on, you know, the Slayers right. and Iron Maidens and stuff. And it's it's like it wasn't not technical at all, but it wasn't right. like the first time you heard Mashuga and you were just like, like holy what fuck, the hell is what going is it? On? right? Like, how do they make these? You know, and now it's even more intense that it's like, yeah, I, I'd be crazy to see somebody try to pull that off in like '84. Right. You know? So I'm kind of curious. Like I didn't know that Spider Studios started off in a garage, mm-hmm. and then you recorded Chimera and all that mm-hmm. in a garage. Yeah, I was in a garage. That's kind of that's kind of crazy to their me. Their first two, <laughs> three, three of their records, I know. Impossibility of Reason was in a garage. Um, then I did the one after that. What was the one after that? That was a self-titled one. Oh man, the all black record. Yeah, I'm, it's, I'm drawing a blank right now. And then I did the uh, Infection. Yeah, Infected or Infection. I think it's Infection. Probably Resurrection, and then. I didn't do resurrection. You didn't do resurrection. No, you but just skipped it. Yeah, we didn't do that one because you know people want to try different things. Sure. Yeah, it happens. You know. Yeah. Okay. I did a little bit on resurrection. I did all the drum editing. Okay, because I remember infection because uh, heart of it all is also music videos at your right at your studio. Yeah. Which apparently, it's not on YouTube anymore. I tried to find it the That's other day weird. and I couldn't find it. Sometimes it happens. Like my last band, yeah. some kind of wonderful. We had um, our reverse our video was on YouTube. It had like 1.5 million, 2 million views. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it was just gone because I'd go to show people. That's so weird. And then we got it put back on, but it went back to zero views. So it's oh. like, yeah, it totally sucks. I wonder if it had to do with like a distributor. It's something to do with our old label we were on, like okay. one under or something. Oh, uh, yeah. So they, they had to pull all, down all of the stuff. Yeah, um, it sucked. It's funny you mentioned that about a garage because when I first went to go to the studio, um, I don't remember the first time I went. It wasn't when I brought Bleeding the Fifth. It was before that. But I went to just check it out. And in my head, you know, delusions of grandeur as a 16-year-old or whatever mm-hmm. it was, I'm like, all right, so this is probably in some, like, industrial warehouse. Right, like, right. It's, like, really big. Because, you know, you have all the huge names coming from it. I'm like, oh, it's got to be, like, a Hollywood type of studio. Right. And I'm like, just in a am I in the right place? I'm, like, doing circles around the, the block. I'm like, where's mm-hmm. this place at? But, no, it, it's, it, it goes to show you it's not about your brick and mortar as much as about the engineer and the right. equipment you have inside so yeah exactly um, it's funny you say that because i deal with like a lot of younger kids now that are trying to like you know just learn the system and the things they want to learn are always like what plugin are you using what and it's like that's not the tricks mm-hmm. like you just have to know music and listen to a lot of different styles from jazz to metal to rock to whatever it is you Everything, know yeah. and that's how you start to like understand things a little better it's not sure. like what eq plugin are you using it's like no, I went. I went in there when I was doing my Akuma stuff. I think that's the last time I was at that location. Is when I did vocals over one of my own tracks, and he knew right away. Like, I could just say something like, "I want my voice to build through the build, be choppy, and build up to the drop." He was like, "Boom, boom, boom, boom." There you go. It's like, yeah. dope. So, like, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's it's not necessarily knowing the. Uh, all of the software as much as just knowing what certain genres require and right and it's not like you don't want to you know there, i have to spend yeah. probably every couple years where i fall behind i'm like all right what are all the new little things that everybody's screwing with in the you know in the recording world like some new program yeah. like you said like a melodyne or a serum or something well it's like me right now i've i've been on uh, ableton live nine and i've been doing all my recording mixing and mastering mm-hmm. and live nine and then i bought live 10 because mm-hmm. i had like the new um like the drum bus, and it basically adds like sub oscillators onto the kick and stuff, makes them sound boomier. And I've so I basically spent three hundred dollars on that, and um, I'm like, holy shit! They changed. They don't. They don't have the. You can't play like 
MIDI keys on the keyboard anymore. They oh, changed true. all the shortcuts to like Pro Tools. So now I'm sitting here, I have to learn yeah, 30, 40 new shortcuts and shit that I used to know off the top of my head. And it's like, yeah, you do fall behind and you got to stay, you know, I think being an engineer and stuff, you got to stay on top of the technology. And when you start to fall behind, you know, to, to keep that gold standard, yeah. you, you lose that gold standard because there's different yeah, it sound gets, qualities. Yeah, it does get hard because for me as a studio owner, like, I don't pirate anything or me neither. so when I'm like, right. okay, I got to update a bunch of things. It might be three, $4,000 because you go through all right. the plugins and all of a sudden I got to go from complete 10 to 12 and yeah. you know, it gets, it gets I, pricey. I do know. the same thing and I don't even, I do like a lot of home recording and mm -hmm. stuff and uh, Ryan's been pressing me. He's like, oh, you do all this, start doing engineering and all this. And I'm like, I mean, I guess so, but it's also a lot of, you know, I got bills to pay. And then on top of that, all this stuff, when it updates, you know, people yeah. don't think about it. They think, oh, well, I'm going to go download Fruity Loops and I'm going to be the next, you know, right. Eric Ron or somebody. Yeah, and you got to update everything. The next Ben Scheigel. Then when you have two rooms, it's even worse. Oh, yeah. And you got to pay for it twice. Yeah. Right. I mean, I made all, I even got cheap and I made all my own sound absorption and shit just so I don't have to buy Oralex because yeah, it's a thousand freaking dollars. Yeah, that shit's pricey. So. I never understood Ableton, though. I used Ableton. My other engineer, Jack, at the studio, he loves Ableton, so it's on our computer as yeah. well. But I um, I used it for live for some kind of wonderful because it is the best as far as, like, stable. Did you use Live 9? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So Live 9 was very, um, like, beat-making, electronic music-oriented. Mm -hmm. The new Ableton Live 10 update, which is another reason why I got it because I'm starting to play in bands again, mm -hmm. is very... Um, Pro Toolsy, hmm. I would say, you know, because um, I never use like I always use the session view, never use the, right. the clip view, and um, yeah, it's just very banned. And like I said, you know, they change all the shortcuts and it's all minor stuff that they fix. So I probably understand it now. What you're oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd always put nine yeah. on. I'd be like, I don't know what is going hey, man, on right now. <laughs> if you ever, if you ever want, I'll come over and I'll show you how to use the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. Now, I'm like, when, I have no clue. When they do these updates, is it? Is it necessary, or is it just, oh, hey, we need to do an update? It's 50-50. It's Sometimes it's not necessary, and I'm like, eh, do I need the latest auto-tune? I, I have, like, auto-tune 8 now, and they have, like, a new one. Sure. But I'm like, I don't know what the difference is really going to be. Now, maybe going from, like, I don't like to go too far behind, but, like, a Native Instruments, you know, I might skip 12, and when they get to 13, I might be like, all right, they got a lot more synths coming out, sure. and, you know, because if you think about it, like, you got compressors, mics, all that stuff's great. Mm-hmm. But it's not changing your music. No. New, like, synths that come out, new, that kind of stuff actually changes your music because it's there's, like, sound. It's sound design. It's more yeah, of that it's, than It's more of that. Else. So right. sometimes I'm, I'm pretty cool on having all the mics I got and everything. Of course, you always want more. But now I've been focusing more on, like, oh, I want to get this weird keyboard or some guitar. Sure. Or, I, uh, I saw I creeped on your website a little mm -hmm. bit. I saw you have a bunch of output stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the output stuff. Dude, the output stuff, I've been using a lot of that in my tracks lately and stuff, and mm -hmm. I really think compared to like other VSTs and you know music instruments over the time, like Exhale, uh, Rev and stuff, mm -hmm. is kind of, it's kind of that you know revolutionary stuff that you probably, it's a 50-50, you don't need, but there's like lots of ideas you can get from oh, it. Yeah. And that's where I feel like the line is, mm -hmm. is what can I do with this and how much more creative can I be? And then from your standpoint, can it make me money? Right. Because you, you, know? you, you have all these new sounds and 
the, the cool thing is I, I have a lot of the soft sense and you know I have like a Moog and I got some other stuff but then I my buddy Vinny who's in Ohio Sky or not Ohio Sky uh, Automatic Weapons he um he's got like a Prophet and a Mellotron so he's got like the hardware which is really cool and we've been trying to make beats more for rappers when they come in because mm-hmm. they just use YouTube and we're like hey yeah. get a couple guys that actually play it's and not we'll, even we'll make you something <laughs> from yeah we'll make yeah. you something from scratch that's like just way more interesting you know sure. put guitars on it and so we've been trying to focus on that a little bit more, you know. Oh, that's smart. Uh, it's going to set themselves apart from their peers, right. too. Then. You try to tell them, like, how many of these big rappers are making it on YouTube beats, you know. Like, Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, if you want to do a YouTube beat, that's fine, you know. But I'll take the YouTube beats a lot of times, and I'll cut them apart, and I'll add sounds to them, and strip them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I try to make them at least a little different. Sure. You know. Um, and then lately, what I've been in... Uh, into more than anything is actually trying to make movies and stuff. Oh, we're doing okay. a lot more of that. That's I really bought like cool. a red camera. Oh, and, that's awesome. You know, that's have you done any fun. like uh, live albums in a while? Because I know you've done that for certain bands. Um, no, we did a thing with that automatic weapons group about a month and a half ago, a month ago, that. where we went live in the yeah. I want to start doing that more where I have people come in and we could like use lights and smoke machines and mm. it's like doing a performance sure. just at the studio live but instead of people coming they just go online and it's like hey it's eight o'clock we're that's kind of nice tonight. right but i could do multi-angle mm. you know put Very all cool. the, the inputs into the studio make sure it's all sounding mm-hmm. good and i actually do it through the x32 an x32 rack and it's pretty cool that's pretty i want to cool. start doing that more so yeah the uh the x32 rack is that avid no the x32 um, is the uh is it Behringer? Behringer. Oh, you know what? I think it is because yeah. all Behringer stuff starts with the X. They're yeah. getting uh, pretty decent with their... They used to be kind of, you know, like early 2010s, you know, late 2000s. Yeah. Kind of, kind of that junky yeah, kind of knockoff stuff. Yeah, they junky forever. But now with like the Deep Mind and stuff mm-hmm. they came out with, it's they're kind of turning themselves into something. Yeah. The X32 is nice. Which I like. It's a like lot. a rack unit mixing board. You just use your iPad and it's... Yeah. I was like, man, I gotta buy this. Most thing. of everything <laughs> now is going into iPad and router mixing, which sure, is which is insane. weird. I mean, all live sound. Like, I have a buddy, uh, Brandon, and all his live sound is all through a router and an iPad. Yeah, that's how I and do it when I run live sound. I don't do live sound often, but I started getting a couple gigs because the city. I'm the only guy they know that does music at Homestead Falls, so they <laughs> sure. just hit me up for everything. Like, hey, we got these live sound gigs, and I'm like, I don't, I don't do live sound. Not that I can't. I just never have the gear. Sure. So I went out and just bought a bunch of crap and. When I first, I was going to use this little Mackie board I had. Then I was like, you know what? I'm going to use this X32 rack, and it just like blew my mind. Sure. Like the pos- it's like it's like using a recording software, but just live. In your hand. Yeah, you just sit there and be like, oh, I want to put this on there, and it's yeah. amazing, actually. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so back to switched real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it was the other thing that made it so cool is it was one of the bands that was super group before they were popular like it, right. you went backwards kind of like a benjamin button band as far as your your lineup everybody went off and did really successful things right after switched which is just really yeah, cool chad to see and, right yeah. i mean you get you had chad's leg up who was a drummer for breaking benjamin for their all of their prime years mm-hmm. you had uh brad who did non-point dark new day mm-hmm. uh Sean May still makes bases. Yeah, he makes really he makes good really, really nice ones. I see him on Facebook a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, Jason French was almost. We almost started a band together. I haven't seen Jay in a long time. Yeah, uh, he's a great guy. Um, we it all fell through, whatever. But um, uh, what's your brother doing? He 
he's just, you know, married, has a kid, and he's just living in, like, I think Bay or somewhere or somewhere okay. west. <laughs> and just, uh, he just works for a guy that um, owns a company that they'll go into maybe, like, a hospital, and they're like, the conference room needs to have mics, and we want to be able to see. and You know, it's that kind mm-hmm. of, like, audiovisual kind sure. of stuff. Okay, that's It's cool. a small company. There's only, like, two or three of them, you know, and they just yeah. do. But they do, like, good big gigs, you know. So when, like, for example, when Chad joined Breaking Benjamin... And Switched was still, I don't know if that's when you guys took a break, or, or is that... Um, kind of. Okay. Um, were you ever like, hey, man, you should convince the band to come do some do an album with me? Or, no, I don't think I ever brought it up, really. Is that just never crossed your mind, or... I, I don't know if it didn't cross my mind, or as much as I, like, just being realistic to, sure. like, knowing, like, they got their camp and what they do, and, you know, and that could be partly my own fault for not trying to, like... You know, because like yeah. I had that the other day. It was probably two, three months ago. Anderson Pack came to the studio, okay. right? And um, it's like they were just on tour and were bored one day. <laughs> and people are like, "Man, you should try to get them to record his albums." And I'm like, "It's not gonna happen, dude." Yeah. Like the dude's just stopping because they're bored and they sure. want to come in. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It's like okay, because I've been there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I've done that before where we're bored and we just go to some studio randomly in yeah. St. Louis. Let's say it's not like all of a sudden I'm going to be driving there to go record. You know what I'm? Yeah, you know? no, I understand completely. That makes a lot of sense. It's good to make the connection to where they know you exist. So maybe. So I guess the same thing would would apply for Dark New Day and Nonpoint then with Bruce. right. Kind of like you guys are doing your thing and your especially your those zone. bands. Those bands are real. Like they've been around long enough yeah. to they have their system. Yeah. Yes. They're not like someone new that's like, we don't know, you know, like, sure. it's just a little different. So know? how did you guys end up, because after your original deal with Virgin and Immor- Immoral or Immortal? Immortal. Immortal. Mm. After that, well, first of all, why did that deal fall through? Was that just a one album deal? No, I think it could have been two, but I think it was one of those things where like, when it came to do the second album... Like instead of getting two hundred fifty thousand to do a record, they were mm-hmm. gonna give us like fifty, and uh, we still could have potential. That was right when like the music industry started to like get killed, kind of, yes. you know. And I started getting opportunities to produce records. I was doing that thing for Drowning Pool and whatever, sure. and it was just more lucrative on that end of things for me. Sure. Like you know, where it was like, man, they're gonna pay me fifty grand to record a record. It's gonna take a month. So speaking of Drowning Pool, before I get back to the, the next know. point, is is there's a there was rumors at the time that you were offered the gig to be the lead vocalist how accurate is that uh it's it's pretty accurate um it wasn't something that was like offered as far as like they were like hey begging or not you know what i'm saying they were just kind of like their singer at the time they were getting they weren't sure because he was like they they loved his voice and everything but they Mm -hmm. just weren't sure about his character yeah and i was just around i got along with him good at the time sure now I didn't necessarily turn it down because I was like, oh, I'm cooler and drunk. It had nothing to do with that. I just didn't think I had the right voice for their group, you know. Would have been interesting. Yeah, they had, like, the guy they were getting was more, like, gravelly yes. and low. Right. And I, I didn't really have that voice. So sure. I was like, yeah, hey, I don't know. If, I don't think I fit the Texas kind of, like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah, it just didn't, I didn't think I would have been a good fit, you know. Sure. It wasn't that I wasn't flattered to be like, oh, man, it's amazing, you know. Yeah. But. but it just kind of didn't work out, and, and I kind of screwed up because I was hanging out with a guy that wrote for Scene, and I kind of just told him the story over drinking. There was no interview going on, and That's he, wh- okay. he wrote a story about it, and then the band was pissed. Yeah. And then I had to, like... It's all over blabbermouth.com, yeah, I had metal to, like, injection, and all that stuff. I had to talk to, like, the label and apologize, and, you know... How was OzFest? That was fun. I mean, that's... And I'm going to get out my phone here, because I still have it. In my opinion... 
the lineup that you guys were on was probably one of the best lineups yeah. I've seen on an Ozfest. Was that O one or O two? I can't. I'm remember. gonna tell you right now, but I'm pretty sure it's is it O is it O two? Okay. So I have the uh, an old photo, and you actually might have posted it. Ozfest 2002. So it was main stage, Mushroom Head, Black Label Society, Edema, Tommy Lee, P.O.D., Rob Zombie, System of a Down, and Ozzy. I mean, that's just incredible. And then the side stage. Uh, Neurotica, who I've never heard of. It, the Apex Theory, Chevelle, Lost Profits, <laughs> uh, El Nino, Pulse Ultra, Otep, Switched, Glassjaw, Seether, Meshuggah, Hatebreed Down. I mean, like, fuck, yeah. dude. It's just, yeah, you don't crazy. get bills like that anymore. No, no. So I, it, that, that had to be a really cool experience, yeah, especially was, being a touring festival, which just doesn't happen either anymore. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I remember Mush- Meshuggah and Down. And Hatebreed, they were the headliners on the side, side stage. stage. Right. And you would play at 9 in the morning. The next day you'd play at 9.30, 10, 10.30, 11, 11.30. Then once it got to 12, you'd start back over again. Okay. So it sucked when you had to play at 9. I always hated the yeah. first slot. I remember one time we had to play at 9, and it was like, I think we were in San Antonio, and it was like pouring rain. Oy. And we're like, we're actually playing? They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and just... Did you have like a big crowd for that, or was that Yeah, just it was kinda... actually pretty good. Okay. Even at 9, if, if 6,000 people... The ten thousand were the total on the side stage throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You would nine. You would think three thousand people would be there, I but mean, by the time ten solid. o'clock hit, it would be yeah full on. This was this one had you guys at twelve twenty. Yeah, like I think that prime. was like the latest time. We got to play the main stage for the LA one. Okay, that was awesome. We got to play. In was front that of the like, same tour? You did the the uh, the live video, live audio and video for. Uh, I don't think it was in Miami. Yeah, that wasn't for that wasn't us. The same. I don't think it was okay, us. It might have been. I could there was be a fried. great crowd because actually there's someone, I don't know who did it, but they put the video up of that same concert mm-hmm. where the audio is because it's on the bonus tracks of I'd that. Like to see that. Yeah, it's really cool. It sucks back then. There was no, like, it's not like today. Like, we, I don't have much memories from that as far as, like, pictures and video. Because you couldn't have anything accessible to just be like, boom, yeah, boom, boom. there was no, like, you can't find the, yeah, you can't find anything. Um, I remember the, the funny thing about that tour was, we got done, I think, touring with Tommy Lee right before we started Ozfest, okay. and he actually was really cool and everything. And he got on that tour because a Drowning Pool singer died at the time. Right. So one of the coolest memories was we were somewhere in Northern California. Tommy Lee flew in. He wasn't playing that day, but he flew in and he had nowhere to stay. He had, his bus wasn't there, or nothing yet. So he stayed with us on our bus. Oh, all that's the time dope. Because he knew us. Yeah. He's like. He's like, yeah, I'm just out here. And we're like, want to stay with us? And he's like, oh, yeah. So he just kicked it on our bus and drank and partied. And That's sick. Went on stage, introduced us and everything. So it was pretty cool. You know, it was just like a crazy experience. There was the same tour. There was there was some drama between Edema and somebody else. There was a fight. I don't know if you recall this. Because I, I, I really I went remember dig that. deep in that research. I can't remember exactly what that was, but I'm almost positive yeah, I remember. There's definitely a fight between about. two bands. And I can't remember now. Uh, it escapes me. But that's. Edema, man. Yeah? I thought, yeah, it's weird. So. I'm a big I'm a big Edema fan. I grew up on Edema. Did you? So, yeah, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> my mom had an obsession with Edema, and um, I can't remember the other band's name, but they had a pretty big song. What was their one big song? Uh, the way you like it. Right? Yeah, something yeah. to that yeah. effect. Yeah, because uh, the the bassist added me on Facebook, or maybe I added him, but like he when I was still producing like EDM stuff, he was like, "Dude, your stuff is sick." That's like, crazy. Oh, okay, that's neat. I listened to you when I was ten, but You're you think right. my stuff is cool? Yeah, awesome. yeah. Um, so and then so you took your break and you were doing a lot of 
production, how did you, and this might have just, I might be chronologically incorrect here, but how did you get in touch with Tom Hazer? How did that He um He was working with Kamira at the time. They met him, oh, okay? okay? So they had a connection with Tom, and then I think Mark Hunter gave him our stuff. And back then it was mp3.com. Sure. And mp3.com was sweet because you got paid. Yes. And we started getting like 300, 600 plays a day. Wow. And once you start getting plays like that, like, yeah. Like everybody always asks me, like, man, how do you get signed? I'm like, you don't. They, they find you. Yeah. You don't have to go looking for No, them. it's not a proactive thing. You just, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it just happens. Every yeah. time I've gotten signed, I couldn't point to, I could point to something that happened, but it was always like, we got on a website and we got in the top five, mm-hmm. like something kind of wonderful. Sure. We, our song got in the top five and a big blogger website. All the labels look at it. They're like, who are these guys? They're not signed. Boom. They call you. Sure. So we were doing good at mp3.com and I think uh, Mark gave it to Tom and then Tom hit us up. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, I'll get you signed. And he did, you know. Hmm, that's pretty cool. And then from there, Ricketts, yeah. which, you know, is mm-hmm. is a uh, bittersweet experience because anything for the devil is a great project mm-hmm. but scott rose is and i'll say it you don't have to say <laughs> it i think he's one of the most horrible human beings that i've encountered hell i was having internet fights with him as a, <laughs> as a teenager and he's there and is a singer in a band and like i don't i don't even understand why he wasted his time on me first of all but yeah, I, don't, I don't know much of the backstory on that i just remember yeah. he had his cousin was singing and i think like he was like the lead singer of the group, but it was like his cousin that was singing. And I think when they went to almost get a deal, the label was kind of like. Are you talking about like Matt Hayes? Yeah. Okay. I think they were kind of thought like they were tricked or something, if you know what I'm saying. <sighs> yeah, because actually I remember, I don't know if it was you or Angel who hit me up. I mean, probably like 10 years ago or something. You're like, yeah, all the guys were here. We had like a Ricketts tribute night like at the <laughs> studio. You guys were just fucking around playing old shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought that band had a lot of potential. And I think Scout is a great vocalist, mm-hmm. but something like he's just one of those egotistical guys who thinks that the world revolves around him and only him. And yeah, there's always some reason stuff gets destroyed. You yeah, know? but hey, Tingen came out of that, which I really yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, um, it was all like been. Brad's offshoots. Yeah, and what, yeah. what was the other one that uh, really short lived? Uh, Before I Empire. Man, because he's he's so many different options. Dark right. New Day, no, no. Before that, it was like uh, it was like in all capital letters. I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, which I Empire was really cool. I'm surprised you you didn't uh, record those guys because that was a really similar style to what yeah you you've done. I think for... they were that was like they were all south. They were all like yeah Atlanta. Part of the whole like uh, what's the band with Lejean Seven Dust? Seven like Dust, right. they were all from that camp. Kinda, exactly. You know. So yeah, that was pretty cool. I kind of got into pop music more at that time, too. That was when I started just not, like... Sure. Not that I didn't like metal. I just was kind of, like, got sick of it. What, what I liked about Corporate Punishment was the, the versatility that was on that roster. There was a lot of different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. And that, like, One Side Zero band was yeah. definitely... And then Allele was really, really yeah, cool. Yeah, I recorded their stuff, their you first album. Alleles? Okay. The first record. That's really did. cool. Yeah. Um, And then my one of my favorite bands of all time, Trigger Point. I don't know if you had any doings with them um the only thing i didn't have anything do doings with that but mikey who was their guitar player i believe in trigger okay. point he plays at automatic weapons no shit yeah wow full circle there mm-hmm. that's cool because i've yeah. always been like i talked to taylor wallace because he's the uh he's the tour manager for the interrupters now mm-hmm. and i was like hey man when are you gonna do some more when yeah, you gonna do some yeah. more? I, I even hit up the other day i was like do you have any trigger point merch left i would totally rock it on stage <laughs> like yeah we ran out of that stuff years ago i think Fuck. what happens is a lot of you know people musically like 
not everybody, but you go through like phases of things, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously when you're 13 to 17, 18 in the early, maybe early twenties, you, it's natural for guys to be into metal more and this. And then when you get a little older, you start being like, Hey, I really like that Steely Dan record or whatever. And you know, and you just, I'm always looking to like just branch into different things, you know? Well, that's actually what I was going to ask you. Um, being like a producer, do you ever feel the need, like you get tired of something after a while, have to work on something else? Yeah, all um, the time. And like even like, at, say at the moment you're working on like a metal record or like a rap record or something. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have like a solo project that you like work on the side to kind of clear your ears musically and stuff? Uh, no. What that would be is the, all the video stuff I'm doing. Yeah. That's probably because not that I mastered recording by any right. stretch of the imagination, but sometimes it feels like to me like, I'll get those moments where, like, I feel like it's a video game I've already played for years. You yeah. Know? And I'm just like, all right, I can't play Zelda anymore. You know, yeah. like, so I'm like, the movie stuff was just so like, whoa, this is weird. And that's kind of so how I feel. Different. That's kind of how I feel about Ableton sometimes. I mean, you sit there, yeah. you look at the same screen. And, like, for you, it'd probably be, what do you use, Pro Tools? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for you, it'd be Pro Tools. And you sit there, you know, I mean, how many years do you think that you have looking at Pro Tools? 20 and an and, and accumulation well i was time. the first if not the first one of the top two people in ohio to record on a computer really i used to have sound tools before pro tools it was made by digidesign who originally started pro tools. back when like computers were this like is the like white cases 90, yeah this is like 90 <laughs> this is probably 92 wow 93 that's before i was born all right 93 is when i was born yeah that's i used wild. to record if i had you had four tracks on the computer how old were you 17 16 also oh, cost me like forty eight hundred dollars holy shit not that didn't cost that didn't include the computer That's right i had a quadra 650 that was like 2400 and then it was like 800 bucks for a 500 meg hard drive yeah 500 meg That's i remember like, when i got a four right i got a four gig hard drive and it was like thirteen hundred dollars or something now they, now you get a four terabyte hard yeah, drive. yeah for a <laughs> hundred bucks right but um yeah all you had was four tracks that was it yeah, but you could actually edit and stuff. So it was like it was just like working with the four track, where you would like do the drums. I'd do like right. kick, snare, and overheads, and then you could like bounce all that to a stereo track, and then do the bass. You know. So how did you back then? I mean, obviously now, this isn't a problem as much where it, everything sounds digital. Um, you know, like now you have everything like tape saturation. You can slap yeah. right on a master track or like a a real emulation, like like a UAD real. Right. emulation that literally sounds like the real thing exactly how did you back then like back in 92 with i mean because i was like digital probably yeah. very digital I had sounding. too huh? yeah i had the adats too. oh oh yeah 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 you um you i mean they probably didn't sound that good really if you went back and listened you know so you never like ran it through like a like a tape reel afterwards or something? i had a studer and i still have it just caught on fire last time i started it which is really a bummer but um, the A800 or the no, it's a 8200. Okay. Oh no, the A810. Okay, yeah, it's a yeah. Two yeah. track. I have an emulation of. That. <laughs> yeah, so I got it from MMS. I went to MMS one time to do an interview on a Sunday night, and I saw it sitting in the corner, and they weren't using that anymore. You know, right. and I was like, let me steal that thing, and they were like, they laughed, and I brought it up again, and they were laughing, and then I, you know, I think when I left, the dude called me. I was only just pulling out, and he's like, you really want that thing? I was like, of course I want the thing. He's like. Give us a hundred bucks, you can have a hundred bucks. Yeah, God damn. And the thing was on eBay for like twenty four hundred. Right, like, dude. Wow. Those things, those things are expensive as hell. And and now, 
Yeah, they still are. I just got to find somebody to fix it. They're worth. I actually might have a guy for that. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Because last time I I started up, it started smoking, and I was like, I'll send you their information. There's this company, um, I think out of Nashville or something, but they take those things and they restore them. And they put in modern hardware so you could use them digitally. Wow, that'd be cool. Yeah, hit me up with that info. Yeah, I'll do that. I'd love to get that thing working again just to mix down some mixes to it, you know, get that analog feel in there. Right, because, I mean, even like with. Like my UAD emulations, they're very accurate, mm-hmm. but damn, I'd kill to have the real thing. Yeah, it's just cool to have, you know. Yeah. I mean, certain tracks. I don't know. I've never tried to run like a electric, like an EDM. That'd be interesting. I, to I've run done that. it. I've yeah. done it, actually, and it sounds really good because yeah. I, I feel like the problem with a lot of electronic music is that it's all digital. It's mm-hmm. all VST. It's all in the box unless you have stuff. Like I have a couple Moogs and mm-hmm. stuff like that I throw on, but um, it's, it's still... The majority of it is drum samples and, you know, right. stuff like that. So what I do is, like, on the, especially on the, the drum channel, um, the drum bus, I put on, I just put on a Studer or a, um, what's another, what's that other big tape reel company? I can't think MCI, of MCI, Atari. Yeah, I have a couple, a couple Otari. different. Yeah, I have a couple different ones. I slap it, and it sounds good. It yeah, sounds, it, always, it sounds it much more real. It just glues it together, gives it a little yeah. more of those second and third harmonics, or the even harmonics, I think, are the ones you want. Right, right, right. Like the odd ones are like distortion or something. Yeah. So, another question I had, I had in my head, um, when you were in your bands, did you re- record and you know, did you do all the producing, the mixing and mastering yourself, or did you? Some send of them, out? some of them, no. Like the first Switch record, I didn't. You know, we went and worked with Jason Beeler, who did like Nonpoint's first mm-hmm. record and some stuff. So we went down to Florida, and it was a cool experience to go do that. You know, after that experience, I think I realized like I could do this. You know, um, and then Iphonic stuff, yeah. You know, some kind of wonderful. You know, I recorded all that stuff. You know, well, look, the only reason I ask is. You know, I read like forums and blogs stuff, and they say, "Oh well, you know, you don't ever want to mix and record and master your own album because your ears will play tricks on you and stuff." Yeah. So I want to. I kind of want to. I guess what I'm getting at is that fact or fiction. I think type it's. Of, it could be. It depends on the person. Because, like in my last group, you know, we were signed to a major label, so I'm like, right. "Hey, I don't want to master our stuff. Like, no. I'd send it to." Somebody huge, okay? We could pretty much do anybody we want. Well, you had Howard Benson uh, do a mix of your... Yeah, he did. Inside, we, we so, did I mean, that would be a yeah. cool kind of thing to do. That maybe, was cool. Yeah. And what happened was, like, sometimes you get it back and you're like, it's I don't hear it much different. You yeah. Know? So it's kind of like, I think it depends. Now, when we went and worked with Howard Benson, that was way different. Like, he produced way different than Beeler did. You know? Sure. Beeler was more of like a Ted Templeman kind of guy where it was like, it was kind of like, how do I describe it? Like, guys just go in there and play, and <laughs> we fix it up a little bit, and that's it. Yeah. Where Howard Benson was more of a guy that was like, sing it again, sing it again, sing it again. There's definitely different styles, again, for sing sure. Sing it again. You know what I'm saying? Which style are you? I'm probably more like Howard Benson, kind of. Yeah. You know? I feel like to really get a good take of something, you have to um, just keep doing it again and again until... Right. I mean, I'm not you know saying that you need a perfect take, no. but... You know, you can only doctor things, and I've learned the hard way. You can only doctor things so much with like Melodyne, right? And, yeah, um, you know, that. like auto- actually, Antares. the shittier the singer, the better Auto Tune will work because yeah. they have no like my singer Jordy, some kind of wonderful, was such a good singer that yeah. I could hardly ever use Auto Tune on him because he had so much inflection and so yeah. much like vibrato that it would suck. But then you get the other dudes that are just more like oh, 
there's such pure bad notes <laughs> yeah. that autotune can fix it. Have you ever done that? Here's a little secret trick of mine. Mm-hmm. I put, I melodyne singing, and then I run it through, through auto-tune? Auto, the autotune. And for whatever reason, I think it's because melodyne turns into actual notes before it hits right. the autotune, and the autotune reacts to those. Yeah, I'd have to try um, that. Anytime. I use, use melodyne a little more for just creating harmonies. Yeah. I do that a that, lot more. That's basically what I use it for, mm-hmm. is and that and fixing drum samples. Yeah. I, I use it to tune drums a lot. That's interesting. I'd like to try that. Yeah. So, just put a drum sample in there and just yeah, tune like, it to something different. Like if I have a kick or a snare or something, and you know, for like electronic records, I throw it in Melodyne, and you know, when I'm feeling lazy, instead of having to dig and find more samples, you know, I like this sample, this is the sample I want, but it's in the wrong key. Huh, it's interesting. Melodyne it, and the Melodyne has a uh, percussive algorithm Mm -hmm. and it takes it it automatically detects that um this is a percussive note and then you can move it up or down wherever you want it i'm gonna try that next time i'm in the studio i don't think i've ever done that it's kind of interesting so how did you and tony gamalo cross paths um when i was in the band not so blah this was the popier band this was like right when we were getting out of high school like 17 18 um he was in a band called the simpletons they were all like ten years older than us, but they were like a pretty big like huh. band in Cleveland. Sure. We were both like kind of bigger in Cleveland, but we weren't like signed bands. We were just bigger, and we used to play with them. And Tony would always be like, "Man, you got to hear these kids! Like they're recording good stuff on their own." You know, he used to always just be like pretty impressed with what we did. So he came to the studio one day just to kind of like check it out sure. and he started coming in a little bit more and then we kind of just became friends and i got signed and he was like i'll take the studio over while you're gone and record a little bit and it just kind of grew from there you know because he's done a lot of really good projects too yeah the it dies today record was awesome did he do waltz jericho or is that you i did all those but he helped me with okay most of them and then whether straight, he recorded the bass straight or, line stitch yeah he helped me okay. with that um the crazy thing like Tony wasn't actually he hasn't been working in the studio, but he did the other day, like two days ago. He actually had a client came in. Oh, cool! Yeah, he was he started doing like other things, like fight, he got into like financials and was stuff. Was he still in the spasmatics? Yeah. Okay. But he, I don't think he ever plans on not doing the studio anymore. He just kind of like, you know, it's hard just to be like a part time producer and make it a is. living, you know. So yeah. I think him doing the financials is a little more of like a. Kind of a real job, if you know what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, one of the nine to five. Right. So, and he, yeah. you know, he's got a family to take care of, but he still sure. wants to record because with the spasmatics, he probably can't do that forever, you know. So, what goes into, you know, it's listed on your or your discography is, is a fair amount of movie soundtracks. Mm-hmm. What goes into that that that's different or? Oh, than- that was all stuff where a label would, you know, we'd work on a song. They'd be like, "We want a song for." Uh, was movie coming out mm-hmm. like the one we did for Fantastic Four? So we got together and we made a song and they put it on the CD. It's and really It was cool. during the credits. I think I was like the last name in that movie's credits. So very interesting because there's <laughs> like that. The there's one. John Tucker must die. Mm-hmm. There's uh, I think Freddy versus Jason. Too. Yeah, yeah. So it's I forgot like... about John Tucker must die. <laughs> that was a sick gig too. It's a fun movie. I'm not gonna lie. It's one of my guilty pleasures. That I'm was like one of those movie. gigs where like this is when the music business was sweet. Yeah. And I was doing stuff for, uh, what was the label called? Uh, New York. They had Drowning Pool. They had Evanescence. They had Creed. Wind Up Records. Oh, yeah. So I was I was working at a band called Breaking Point for them. I know of them, yep. And 
they were super cool people, the owners. And they just hit me up one day and they were like, hey, we got a $10,000 budget. You got to make this song with this band that won the contest. So I went to Dallas for like two days and that was it. And That's made the song. Cool. And, and that just doesn't happen anymore? That's just not something that... I'm sure it does, you know doesn't happen to me that often anymore but i'm sure it happens it's gotta be like one of the most fun things when you're just like yeah. all right here's a budget here we're yeah working it was amazing scratch, let's do it. usually it's the opposite it's like yeah. we got a 40 dollar budget <laughs> you're like, what yeah <laughs> you're a wrong guy man <laughs> <laughs> you know not that it's all about money or anything but it's nice when you're like sure taken care of a little bit you sure. know uh who are some of the bigger names that people would know that have been through in the last couple of years and maybe that are going to be through in the next couple of years um well, I had LeBron in at one time. That was back probably around like 2012. Okay. Yeah, I know what ago. you're talking about now. Yep. He was in with Kevin Durant. Um, I've had like a bunch of rappers. Yeah. Like, and I don't really know any of them. Have but you people worked with like, before? Oh. No. Okay. But these rappers, I couldn't even hardly tell you half their names because I don't even know. Like, <laughs> like Chapo, he used to come in okay. and... Um, Doughboy. It's, it's where the money is, though. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. He filmed. Uh, this is this is like my uh, jurisdiction right here. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not super hip on a lot of that stuff. It's where I'm always like, I don't know. Is it is. a lot of like Cleveland people? Yeah, but sometimes it'll be like I said, like that Anderson Pack came in. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be people from out of town. Like a guy hit me up the other day. Uh, OG Booby Black. He That's was a hell he was, of a name. I know. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I know. <laughs> he had crazy. to say it to me like seven times because I was like, "Who?" <laughs> You're probably like, "Is this is this a is this a fake caller?" <laughs> I have a guy. Um, I think it's next Sunday. There's a guy who works at my studio, but he's also his own like artist. His name's Faze. He uh he's coming through with um who's our one Browns player um Kareem Hunt. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, Kareem Hunt's gonna rap on his track so. We'll see what that's all about next weekend. So you guys make beats and stuff there too? I saw yeah, that like a beat kind of sub. I'm more of like a page. pop beat maker than like a beat. You know, I don't really make like rap beats too often. Who's uh who's the other guy you have on there? I can't remember his name. It was kind of he's he's looks like he's younger. He you had him on uh the beat the beat page where he makes some of the beats and stuff. Was it uh Frank? I th- I think it might be. Yeah, Frank. He's like a younger. Yeah, younger Frank guy. was at the studio for a while. He isn't probably he's been like a gone for like a year and a couple. Mm-hmm. We had like a falling out. It wasn't like a bad falling out, really. But then it he put that LeBron song out. Oh, leaked without it. me knowing, and I was kind of pissed about that. Right. Which he what happened was we had the song. I record. He didn't even work at the studio when I recorded LeBron. This was like years ago. Really. And so he's he always like, "Man, we should release this. We should release this." But right. there's a lot of cuss words and the N word, and you know, and I'm sure LeBron didn't want his. Well, it's it's all PR, right? You honors. I mean, he, he has. He has a lot of PR to withhold, you know. Right. So I told stuff. Frankie, I was like, "Yo, make a beat, like another beat. Let's just change the beat, make our own beat. We'll put his vocals on it." I went through and got rid of all the cuss words and changed them. And, right. Edited it. Right. And we sent it to, you know, his people, and they were just like, "Whatever. I don't think they care," you know. Right. So that was the end of it. Okay. But then he, you never got an he, official, yeah, kind of thing where right. it's like, "Hey, you can do something with this." Right. And then all of a sudden, he decided to move on and not work at the studio anymore. But then, like two months later, he just like released it. But he, all the articles were like, like he did everything, and I was like too scared to work. That's with very, LeBron. that's and very, very like, unprofessional. Yeah, it was kind of weird. He, weird how he. Plus, I don't think off. I want to piss off like Rich Paul and those guys. Yeah, that doesn't seem like. Yeah, because Rich Paul I called me. And I was just like, right. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean. 
if he would have put it out and at least acknowledge that I had a huge part of it, it might have been one thing. I might have mm-hmm. been like I was stupid, but it, but he it just kind of he kind of made it seem like it was all him, you know. So is there something you're doing differently now, where maybe you ha- maybe not, but maybe like you have a signed NDA or yeah, or something I'm doing like that. more of that kind of stuff, yeah. you know. And and it's kind of like too when that kind of stuff happens, I think a lot of people don't realize like you're never really going to get far on like 15 seconds of fame. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. You have to, 15 seconds. You have to continue that over and over and over and over again before it like hits. Exactly. You know, he had a lot of hype for a week because it was like, oh, ESPN said your name and all sure. this. But then like, then what? You know, like if you're not backing it up with anything. Yeah, then... It's all about longevity. And right. I think that speaks into musicians too. I mean, you can you can go for the, the quick hitter, you know, do something really controversial, really mm-hmm. just like peacock, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And, and yeah, sure, you might be popular for a week two weeks a month two right months, exactly whatever. but you're not going to be like some of these other bands that are played on the radio 16 years after their first yeah know, record, for they're so. still around yeah and that's yeah. why I like you know when people do things like that that it's like they don't realize the harm that they create too they get their 15 seconds but in the same sense like how many people called me and were like man what an idiot why would he do? you know what i'm saying the people that were in the industry right. it basically so you just alienated yourself from half the industry you, you basically know? destroy your career yeah. Even before you really get it started. And right. is it really worth that 15 seconds of fame to do something stupid to yeah. get your name on ESPN and be like, oh, well, now no studio or no musician is going to want to work with me because I fucking leaked their shit. Right, exactly. You know, no one no one wants to work with that. I would never want to work with that. Yeah, that's why it's never good to do that. You know, it's you're never setting yourself up for success, I don't think, you know. Well, longevity, especially in... You know, 2019 going into 2020 where social media plays such a big presence and people are move on with everything so quick. I mean, every week, you know, it's a new news media topic or something or new yeah, it's something. Fast. And it's fast. So you got to – and I don't know if anybody really has, and we even talked to Eric Ron about this last week, is, and, and a couple people, Mark Hunter, about mm-hmm. longevity and how do you go about in modern day – to achieve longevity, right? With what's the, the formula? And the... There, I don't think anybody really knows. No, you know why? Because your point you were just talking about reminded me of you got to rethink like the internet and social media more of social media than the internet because the internet's from the eighty-eight or something, sure. eighty-nine, whatever. I remember being on there in ninety, like. <laughs> but it wasn't until you started getting like MySpace and that stuff. Yes. And I think that stuff's so virgin still. That we're maybe in like the adolescent stage of having it, where like it's like a tool that's amazing tool, but we don't know right. how to use it yet correctly, and it's like you're gonna make mistakes and do dumb things. As a species, I guess is what I'm saying. It's like well, a humans, you and, know. And yeah, especially for people like us. But I feel like the big problem is the these corporations and everything have such a big hand in the internet right now oh, yeah. that they make it harder because they have teams and teams like, you know, big labels and stuff. They have, that's why I think it's harder for smaller labels too right now. They have literal PR teams that these people get paid thousands, thousands, thousands of dollars every week to make sure that their algorithms are right. So how is one person? Yeah. How do you beat that? Cause yeah. Cause you remember when you, you know, used to try to promote back in the day on like a Facebook, like everybody would see it. Yeah. Now it's like only 5% it, of your people it, see it or something. It's so all it's math like, and staying up with those algorithms yeah. and that stuff. And if you don't have a full team or constantly in forums doing research about it, which most people, in fact, I think pretty much all people don't have time for. That's why they these teams literally get paid for that. 
has a job. Um, you know, so I don't, yeah, I, don't I don't know, know really what the answer is or what what anybody can do. I don't think anybody really knows because it's been kind of a common answer through everybody we've talked to that. I think there's always going to be one person, whether it be a male, female, or whatever, that like always will like stick out somehow. Like they'll be that next Eminem yeah. or they'll be that next whoever Nirvana, sure. just because they like totally are just like way out of left field, but it's awesome. Like, yeah. they're good yeah. though, and you're just it's like, that perfect Whoa. recipe. You're like, but what it, is this? But goes, I think that's like a once a generation thing. You yeah, know? and it goes into. As far as owning a studio, and I don't know whether you still have to do client acquisition at your point in, mm-hmm. in your career, or if it's something that just people come because Spider Studios has yeah, a little both, you is. know. But doing client acquisition is the same thing because as me, I manage musicians and I, mm-hmm. I have to find them, and there's there's a lot of different nuances in going about doing that. And I don't, I, you know, with a la- with a with a studio, it's probably very similar. Yes, yeah, real similar, you know. But yeah, because if you decided to. Like, the biggest thing, really, if you wanted to pick an artist, you're like, okay, I think this artist is pretty good. Is like, the most... I would have never said this probably 10 years ago, but I believe it now, it's like their work ethic. No, 100%. That's number one. 100%. By far. It's like, I if you don't tell- have that, then... Like, I see the... I, I busted this rapper kid the other day. This is probably actually early in the summer. And he was like, man, I got my first show coming up. He's like, I'm about to go up there and kill it. He's all pumped. I'm going to mm-hmm. kill it. And I was like... What makes you think you're gonna kill it? Oh yes, you're hitting. You're you're speaking my language. And I'm like, right what now. makes you? I'm like, how, you've played one show. Yeah. You haven't played one show. I'm like, you've never practiced. Yeah. I'm like, actually, the odds are you're gonna be awful. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? it's it's a hard truth. I'm not even ripping on you personally. I'm just like, that's the odds. And I think what two things I tell my clients. Number one is, as a manager, our job is to open doors for you, but you have to walk through those doors. We can right. open all the doors in the world, and if you don't take advantage of those situations, you're not going to go anywhere. So that definitely applies into work. Yeah, ethic. exactly. And the second thing I always tell them, especially in hip hop, is everything in the underground sector is pay for play. You go and and you have you you spend three hundred dollars open up an eight minute set for an A lister. It's ridiculous because right. unfortunately the saturation of so many artists in that industry, yeah, the promoters can just can just exploit everything and just take money from, right. from the crazy. So what I always say to my artists who are who come to me and say I'm ready for paid shows, and some of them are, some of them aren't. But the ones that aren't, I say, okay, so pretend I'm a, I'm a talent buyer for a second. Tell me why i should pay you what and then they say the same oh i got a lot of energy i'm passionate I'm, right I'm like well every artist can say that and they so don't care about me, any of that either yeah no i'm like tell me why i should pay and they never have an answer because you have to have something proprietary in order to you know stick out and 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 it's all about leverage honestly right. it's it's all about your resume all about what what have you done in the past that's going to have me as a talent buyer trust that you're going to fill the room yeah that's you know? all they care about is filling the room yeah, exactly they're like why am i going to pay you five grand and you're like i'm going to bring 800 people here and then they're like all right <laughs> you know what i'm saying otherwise right. you're like you don't you don't have nothing to offer that's that's what i was explaining to these kids like i think i started to understand it later because if i look back at switched let's say like we were probably awful at first because we never played much but then once you go and do Ozfest and do warp tour and all of a sudden you're like man we played 280 shows last year <laughs> the 280 shows three, that's what makes you right. good because you're playing every night and every right. night you're in a tour bus and you watch the show and you're like what was i doing there i was like stupid like why am i coming out like this why am i doing that you know you just start to realize i i, I learned that lesson or i taught that lesson to the guys in iphonic because when i first got in that band they came in just to record 
And I was like, man, this stuff's kind of cool. It's like a Beastie Boys. And so I was like, but it was awful to me, though. You know, they just didn't. They were green. So we started touring, and then I started being like, all right, guys, we look like you guys are just like a bunch of college kids. Like, we need a look. Like, let's put some, like, suits on and make them look rock and roll. And then I was like, all right, we don't go sit at the club all day before we play. Let's get a hotel room. They're like, what for? I'm like, trust me. We get a hotel room. We're away from the club. We show up when we play. It's just, it's all little tricks. Antici- you know? Anticipation. Yeah, you're not at the Coliseum. Right. You're not at the queue, and you see Lady Gaga getting cheese fries at the. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're like, "Oh, are you playing tonight?" Like, "Yeah, I'm going in an hour." You know, and she's getting cotton candy. You know, right, you're not right. See that? You it's know? like I don't show up when I'm playing a show. I don't show up to a club but 30 minutes beforehand. Right. You get the, we get there early. We sound check. We do everything and, we have to and, do, and, and, and then we leave. Want, and people want you to be there at open, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll be there." And I'm like, "No, nah, I never show up because yeah. it's it's because I feel like when I'm there, I don't have as much energy as when I walk in. I'm ready to play." now and like now yeah because what what you do too is you you know we started just getting a separate room but then it's like okay let's right. go warm up you could talk like hey remember in this third verse do that you know whatever you're yeah and and it's i like having a meeting you know right and i feel like you know going back to that kind of music let's call it musician development mm-hmm. i run i run a D group and my uh my players are having problem developing their characters, so I've been kind of come up with some ideas of character development. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it this this I feel like is actually really does play in hand mm-hmm. because because I told them I'm like, why does your character or you know whatever uh feel the way they do about this? And if they can't come up with the answer, it's like, or if they do, you know, well I feel this way because X, Y, and Z. It's like why you got to ask yourself the five whys. If you're a musician and you're trying to make it, what sets you apart? And you got to ask yourself the five whys, and then really kind of get down to okay, this is why I'm doing it. Um, this is why I'm passionate. I feel like that's what the labels and people yeah, want to hear. And you know what? Like I've been trying to do that. It hasn't been working so far, but I haven't really been trying that hard either. I'm trying to like one of my goals going forward is to get people to have like, don't come in and book five hours with me in the studio. Book five hours. We're going to do three hours of studio. We're going to do an hour of taking pictures. We're going to do an hour of some video stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe you could practice for an hour. People underestimate how important content is, especially right. today. And I have everything there. It's like, dude, you could come in. We could work on your song for a couple hours, take some pictures. We could do a studio little video content. Studio pictures are really cool, too. I mean, yeah. it's, people love to see behind-the-scenes things. That way, you're still spending the same amount of money, mm-hmm. but now you're walking away. Rather than walking away with maybe two and a half songs, you walk away with a song and a half, but you got more pictures. You got a little video thing talking about your new coming upcoming release. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to get people to think more like that now. Yeah, because it's, it's half marketing and, and right. half music. It's just... I feel, like people, I feel like people need a lot of musician development kind of like you know right. like D group these characters to create an immersive world or in this case an immersive record is mm-hmm. to be able to have that musician or character development because when you're going on stage you're acting right exactly you have and, to. and, it, and how can you act if you don't really know what you're trying to do that that's a good point because like when i used to um i look back like like at the switch days i mean i'm probably older now or too old but if <laughs> i was to do it now I would kick the shit out of how I was back in the day. Yeah. My I, mindset's like way different. Yeah. I would just be way better. And I think it all comes down to it being larger than life or yeah. looking larger than life because in the entertainment industry, the larger you look is larger you are. Right. You could be a local band, but if you're 
if you got a really cool theatrics or just you yeah. know you don't got to dress up in gimmicks and do anything like that. No, but, but there's there is theatrics, a, just how fast you move, exactly. how you do things. You don't go to grab your water until the lights go down, and then you grab you know yeah. just dumb stuff, just little stuff. Yeah, but right. it, and it might it might sound so trivial to us, but to fans, it's mm-hmm. a big deal. You know, that's what sets you um, apart. You know, and that's the kind of stuff I was trying to teach some of these you know, newer sure. up and coming artists, whether they're rappers or pop stars and, you know, trying to do a little more like, Hey man, you come in the studio, go in the live room. I'll set up the PA up and you could just go through your set a few times and mm-hmm. work on some things. Yeah. And, Cause I think a lot of people like that, they don't know how to practice. No, that's a big part. I feel like they don't know how to practice because a lot of them are electronic based. They never played in real bands. No, they, they never have done real sets. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a key thing to playing out is, is is yeah. practicing like they did in the, the old days. Everybody right. sits in front of a Mac, in front of Ableton, Pro Tools, Logic, you know, Fruity Loops, whatever. They right. sit there. They make everything in the box. They don't have to physically play anything. No. And then... And if you watch the 10 rappers p- perform that night... It's a there, shit show. There wouldn't be much difference between any 10 of them. You'd be like, I don't know. Well, and it's a shit show because they're all they're all fighting for the spotlight and stuff right. because they've never had any choreography. They've never sat there and actually practiced material because they're too busy doing other shit that's not important. Right. I think that's where sometimes like, people like us maybe that have listened to way way more wide ranges of music. Like I had this one rapper kid I was working with and he's never really played out much yet. This was like a couple years ago. And I was like, man, let's do something weird where like like your first show, like we're gonna do like a tool thing where we're just gonna set up like a white sheet and you're just gonna be behind it, like just just your like yeah your silhouette. You know, people are just gonna be like, who the fuck is this dude? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. just do that for like the first like year you play, like or something. Or we were gonna make a video cartoon content of his songs. Like I wanted him to make a six seven song record that just told a story, like King Diamond would, yeah, from start to finish. And we're gonna make a real eerie cartoon that's like kind of like Halloweenish, kind of like scary. Mm-hmm. And you're just gonna—that's gonna be your set. It's just that playing. Yeah. And nobody yeah. ever like. Like the gorilla. Yeah, they're just like, who is this? Dude? Yeah, sure, definitely. And then after two, three years, you come out and you're like, it's me, man. Yeah. Like whoa. Well, but that's like innovative, you know. When the first four rappers play that are just up there rapping over themselves, you're like, okay. But also that dude comes up, everybody's gonna oh, stop and think dude. like, like even Tech Nine, right? Has, you know, uh, he has the face paint or whatever, and yeah, just because he already has such powerful music that the image matches the music. That's why I think like, you know, music's all like subjective. What do you like? But like, and I don't like all their music, but I like a handful of their songs. Like when I first started getting into like Ghost a little more, like I, yeah, I saw that and I was like, wow. Crazy. That's like, a band that you don't even see the dudes playing guitar. <laughs> they're just like in, they don't look like they sound at all, which no. is crazy. They're probably dudes that are older that are just like we're not gonna be that dude yeah. that gets you hype anymore. We have to. They're no. still theatrics. They look like a black metal band, but they sound like Led right. Zeppelin. Yeah, they you got know? a total like Grateful Dead almost feel. Yeah, in a weird way. Very interesting. But they um, and like I said, I like a handful of their songs, you know. But I like how they uh, I like the whole touchdown. I like their whole um. The whole vibe of the theatrics. Dude, by the way, that's Marvin Jones's fourth touchdown of today. Is it? So I don't know if you have Marvin Jones no. in your fancy. We're here watching NFL football uh, and doing a podcast, so obviously distracting. But holy shit, he probably has like 40-some points now. Damn. So whoever's got him just won their matchup. However, I was thinking this earlier, he only had 17 yards last week. Wow. So there's a lot of bench points because people would probably bench him and were like, yeah, no. Yeah, that would have been a bad move today. Yeah. So, um, I got to wrap it up. Got to uh, get some things done with the family and everything. But Ian, did you have any last questions you wanted to ask Ben before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, not off the top of my head. I think we covered a lot of really good material, and hopefully, uh, people learn something from this and 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've had two really good uh, studio owners, engineers, producers on the last two weeks. So anybody who's aspiring to do that, uh, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of constructive information on here for you. Um, next week, was it next week? No, maybe in a week and a half. We have Ice Nine Kills uh, as guests. Nice. And then, and then the Casey Strain after that. So we got a little oh, bit that's of cool. a, Yeah, we got a cool cool uh, group of eclectic people and cool yeah it's cool for people to listen and uh you know get some knowledge from other people that have you know i do it all the time i'm watching i don't like ever like watch tv or anything anymore it's always just podcasts yeah hell yeah but then you know since we are like in that crazy world it's like I, I'm like watching like four at the same time. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, for sure. I'm like, I need to go outside and go sit in the woods for a little while and just get back to like get back to it. Normal, yeah. just because especially here when world, you have you know four months of time that I actually want to be outside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Well, as always, we're out. See you.